This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Hope you're having an absolutely grand September day as we work our way through the Monday edition of Kelly and Company. We can be found on your TV, by the way, folks. Westman customers, look for us on channel 889 and Bell Channel, Bell Alliant Channel uh, 66 out there on the East Coast, folks. Visit ami.ca slash audio for a list of channel locations in your area. I'm Kelly McDonald at the home studio, London, Ontario. Ramya Muthan hanging out in Toronto with us. And we've been talking independent living skills for the longest time with Leanne Bardo, and we've now moved to monthly chats with her on the third Monday of the month. Let's bring on Leanne. I'm Leanne Barda. I'm an independent living skills specialist. And if you have questions about independent living, join me on Kelly and Company for all our tips and tricks. Leanne, we continue to bring up back to school because there's a lot for us to think about when it comes to taking our kids back to school or as students going back to school. And particularly for people with disabilities, um, some specific questions arise like the expanded core curriculum. So if you have no idea as a listener what that is or if you're just starting to hear about it, Leanne, you've got all the details for us today. Yep, I absolutely do. So basically the expanded core is sort of like giving our students the edge so they can compete with sighted peers. So there's nine different areas of it and each one is helping our students sort of address the areas that um, they need to learn in addition to our regular curriculum like math, science, French, geography. Our guys are also learning different things. So um, we want to give them as many skills and tools as we can to help them be more successful and um, end up being really awesome adults. Mm. So with the, with the ECC, you know, it's a really, it's a disability specific curriculum and it was established by educators of students with sight loss to sort of help them out. So here are some of the nine different areas that are addressed by it. So the first one being uh, social interaction skills. So we know that social development starts immediately after birth and continues throughout our lifespan. So um, we need to give our students the set of knowledge and skills required to interact effectively with others. And we get them to practice in a variety of different environments and cultural settings and school and, you know, being aware of body language and social communication and cooperative skills, social etiquette. There's like so many different mm. things. And if you um, do it right, you won't even know that you're actually practicing social skills. It just seems like well, the way I remember it, it's just fun. We'd be going on trips. We'd be interacting other people who have uh, blindness or low vision. We're interacting with our schoolmates. We're running, you know, fun mm-hmm. days where others are learning about my disability or something like that. Um, but really, these are all uh, catered to helping us socialize more and do it well. In- Exactly. So the more tools we give, so essentially like for a young child who doesn't know maybe what's popular, they, you know, it's good to sort of give that information to them. So if you have, you know, let's say the, the all the rage is Paw Patrol and your kid has no idea what Paw Patrol is. So you talk about the characters, you say what the characters are wearing, and then you can say, well, your little friend over there, he's also wearing a Paw Patrol t-shirt and he's got his hair 
slick to the side and this is what, you know, your peers are wearing. So they kind of are aware of, you know, what the trends are. So they're not behind in that area. Um, the next one is recreation and leisure skills. This is a really important one. So we want to promote uh, the enjoyment of leisure activities. So we want to give them uh, cho choices and different things, how they want to spend their leisure time. So, you know, there's all kinds of really great sports for people with sight loss, especially in Toronto. We have a lot of options, but even like non-specific uh, sports, like you could like rock climbing or dragon boating. There's like a million things. So we want our kids to have as many options as humanly possible. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. yeah. Because then, there's too many things that I know by being back in, in school, mainstreaming particularly, you, you, there were so many concerns, reasons why not to let someone with a disability take part in certain things or group them into uh, groups where maybe we were doing things that were what they felt, well, insurance won't complain about those uh, and we mm -hmm. won't risk anything mm -hmm. and no one will feel left out. Well, you, you do still feel left out. You do still feel compromised. And as we know, the active mind and physical body is absolutely crucial. Exactly. And for our kids, you know, having those physical literacy skills are are crucial. Oh. Well, and, and even what, what did they used to say, Leanne? Hand and eye coordination. Well, you know, whether you're vision yeah. impaired or what, you still need your coordination of your legs, your, your feet, whatever you have able to use, um, you yep. still have to exercise it. Exactly. So the more options we can give them, the better. Like I remember I was working as a special ed technician in Montreal and um, the phys ed teacher had no idea what to do with my students with sight loss. And they'd be like, just take them out for a walk. And right. I would be like, well, why not participate in class like everybody else? And he said, if you go to do some yoga in, in the library, I'll give them an A. And I said, well, that's not really, <laughs> you know, the way uh, to go no. about it. And um, it was quite an argument with certain teachers. They just didn't get the need for inclusion. It's kinda, so what it's are some sad. other skills? Yeah, I know. It really is. What are some other skills um, that the expanded core curriculum focuses on? Yeah. So this one is a really important one as well. It's called compensatory skills. So they include uh, concept development, organizational skills, communication skills, uh, things like uh, speaking and listening, uh, sign language, tactile symbols, braille or print reading and writing and accessing recorded materials. So all of those things are good for student success. So whatever materials and whatever format you need to use to to get ahead in school, you know, you want to have as many of those tools at your disposal and yeah. know how to use them effectively. And learn what works best for you in whichever situation. Exactly. And it takes years to figure that out. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. If you, some people are what we call dual media le learners, so they can do uh, Braille audio or print Braille or a combination of all three. So having as many tools at your disposal as possible, you know, it makes it so much better for you. Yeah. And um, options even before you might even consider them skills yourself, right? Like for the longest time, I didn't even want to learn. I mean, this is moving on to the next thing, but the white cane. And then, mm -hmm. you know, eventually when I was ready for it, luckily everyone else, uh, you know, foresaw that I would, <laughs> would need to learn it. <laughs> right. And, and they were... They yeah, so how could they have figured that out? Anyways, but it was um, great because, like you said, it was mentioned a lot. Um, people uh, around me were already ready to to help in that aspect. And there were all these other O&M skills that led up to it. So as you're saying, the tools and the options and the awareness of it. Exactly. Yeah. So 
that segues us into orientation mobility, knowing how to travel safely in space and, and you know, learning how to um, go to different places and uh, whether it's inside or outside, having different routes to learn and public transit, so many different like aspects and, you know, mental mapping. There's a whole lot of stuff involved with uh, orientation mobility. And of course, you know, uh, the one that's dearest to my heart is independent living skills. So the ability to care for yourself independently. So it includes personal hygiene, food prep, cleaning, clothing care, money management, technology, all the different, all the things. Um, Amazing. The next one, the next one would be uh, sensory efficiency. So learning to use all your senses. So including functional vision, hearing, touch, taste, and smell, and assistive tech, which has become much more of a thing in the last uh, ten years. So learning to use your computer or other electronic equipment to function independently and effectively at school, work, and home. And our last two are our career education. And this one I think is also really important is self-determination. So that enables students to become effective advocates for themselves based on their own needs and goals. Yeah. It, again, you know, you always think about um, some people are, are able to advocate for themselves. Some people are able to figure these things out and say, hey, you know what? It would help if, if, if we did things this way or no, that's not right. Or this is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Some people can do that. And some people can get away through life if they're not so comfortable with it. But I've always mm-hmm. felt bad because as a disabled person, you have to teach people how to teach you, to support you and help you. It's mm, it's the only exactly. way, which is knowing yourself, but also being able to speak up. And we don't always feel like doing that, Leanne. No, exactly. Especially having to explain, you know, the general public is always not the most tactful. And they may say, you know, why are you blind? Like, what caused that? And, you know, you always have feel the need to have some sort of answer. And the truth is, you don't have to. Like, you don't have to disclose all of your medical things to this random stranger who asked you on the bus why you use a white cane. Right. So having the ability to say, you know, that is a great question, but I don't feel comfortable disclosing. But thank you for asking. Yeah. And if you're a talker, if you're okay with, but you have to learn how to be able to judge that. And as a, as a youngster, you sometimes you feel like uh, I better answer. This is somebody older or somebody I don't know. What if they get insulted, offended, or I, I don't need a, so it's a lot of life experience to learn. Uh, what about the barriers that are there when it comes to uh, instruction by parents? This can be really tricky. Yes. So often parents are afraid of what they don't know. And so they try to often will shelter or will, you know, do things for the child and not allow them to do it because it takes too much time. And they'll say, oh, well, they have enough problems. So they don't need to do chores. And, they, you know, it's, it's fine if they don't help out at home, but it's really not. Um, mm. All of those uh, chores are, you know, the first thing for their, a child. And it's like their introduction to the world of work and they're learning organizational skills. They're learning to have, you know to start a job and complete it properly. And like, there's so many different things that these, you know, early chores will lead to um, down the road as an adult in the working world. So we want to have parents um, obviously very active in the education of their children. And we want them to model the behavior that we're teaching and not, you know, provide everything like the magic fairy who says, yep. Oh, I want a sandwich and boom, the sandwich just appears out of nowhere. Yep. Mm-hmm. The modeling part is honestly one crucial thing that we, you know, often don't speak about out loud, but it's so important to acknowledge it and be conscious of it because, you know, if you're 
we understand that there's so much anxiety around, like if you're a parent who has a child with a disability, there's so much anxiety around that changes uh, things that you need to come to terms with yourself. But the thing is, the way that you respond and react directly correlates and impacts with the way that your child is taking on life, period. Right. And exactly. And this is why sometimes we're seeing 18 year olds who have never even made tea in the microwave for themselves or serve their own cereal. Exactly. And so it's great if your kid's on the honor roll and they're getting, you know, scholarships, but they, at, at, you know, school is one thing, but if they can't cross the street or make their own lunch or interact with peers in a work environment, then mm-hmm. the grades don't matter. Exactly. Leanne, we just have a couple minutes left. What else do you want to squeeze in? Okay, let's see. So um, I'm going to do a couple of the practical hands-on learning. So some of the things we can do to enhance our um, our children's environments would be to provide accessible labels in the environment in the child's chair, um, table, cubby, and any location where print labels are found. So um, we should be using the child's preferred format, so large print, braille, objects, tactile symbols. And at home, you want to label the rooms in the house, the light switches, the controls, the appliances, anywhere where print would be found so that they're interacting with whatever medium um, all the time so they can kind of check things out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, you know, um, different things for math. So using different kinds of manipulatives for young students gives them tangible objects to relate to a number's meaning. So for some students uh, with visual impairments, you can use things like these little plastic bear counters, math blocks, bingo chips, an abacus, uh, base 10 blocks, anything that's going to make math kind of come alive and make sense. Right. Um, I've used things like wiki sticks to make a graph for, for some clients, or I've made fabric paint uh, uh, tables for people just so they can kind of get a sense of, of what's what. Because um, I know math with visual impairment, especially with all the graphics, can be oh, very boy. challenging. Nice. Can we yeah. just in the last 10 seconds uh, talk about the yeah. take part, take, take part independence challenge? Yes. Take so charge. this is a really, yeah. So this really, this is a really cool initiative uh, by Robin Keating Clark and her teachers. Um, she's in, from the Utah school for the blind and every day they challenge their students to do something new. So one day it can be make yourself a snack. The next day would be put braille or large print labels on your spices uh, another one would be deny assistance and try to do the task your own that day on your own. And then or um, use a low tech um, backup option to use instead of your device. So use a magnifier, a monocular, uh, something different than you would typically use uh, mm. technology for. So just, you know, little things you can do every day to kind of bring all aspects of the expanded core together. And for you to keep feeling empowered. That's the word. Thank you so much. Leanne, this has been such a great conversation. I appreciate uh, all the information. I'm sure everybody else does as well. Talk to you next month. Yeah, talk to you soon. Leanne Barda is our independent Living Skills specialist who joins us now on the third Monday of the month. We'll step aside for a couple of moments, folks. In about two minutes, Danielle McLaughlin returns with Know Your Rights. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.